This morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last, cha- uh, last book of the Old Testament. So you can find the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, right there is the book of Malachi. We're going to take a look here at a very important subject matter. In Malachi, Malachi chapter 1, it says this, it says, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've given to us. Thank you again for your continual guidance, direction, and leading in our lives. And Lord, above all, I thank you that you care. Where we would all be if you didn't. Lord, I thank you for just the blessing that you've been in my life. I thank you for all you've given to me. Thank you for all that you've done for me. And Lord, that you would just have a burden for us. And Lord, I pray that this morning, that as we look at this subject matter, that Lord, it would be very clear. It would be very clear that your care and what you, what you have for us, Lord, would be evident. The desire that you have in our lives, Lord, to live according to your word, to live according to what you've given us and preserved for us, perfected for us. That, Lord, we would have that desire to follow after it because of the love you've shown us. I thank you again, Lord, for all those that are here this morning. I pray that our souls and our spirits and our hearts, Lord, are just soft, tender, ready to receive. Nothing will hinder us from hearing your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, that we may be blessed by you and above all glorify you and give you praise. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. The book of Malachi starts off with these words, and they're very serious words. Uh, I look at this, and and you, you you find that he mentions these similar words, the burden of the word of the Lord over in the book of uh, Zechariah that uh, uh, is in the previous uh, um, uh, book prior to Malachi here, where he mentions this a couple of times, but it's a very serious matter. Because when you start thinking about the word burden, there's a couple of things that, that, that we need to understand about what a burden is. A burden is, you know, it's not necessarily something that we use a lot today, but burden is also something that is a word that meant, uh, uh, if you will, a repetitious, uh, if you will, principle. Something that was repeated constantly and taught and given and it was a, it's a word or thought that is often used to meditate on. And as part of that, we can see that the Lord is communicating here to Israel. It's a burden for him. He keeps telling them, hey, look, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. We have burdens for our children. We tell them over and over again what to do. How to live their life according to the scriptures. To do the right thing. To make the right choices. The same with, with the nation of Israel, the same way that God has told them, the same way that God tells His church how we're supposed to 
live this life. It's a burden. But a burden is also something that is born. It's something that is carried. It's something that, that often can be weighty. You go back over there and we find that there was a burden that was placed upon the Israelites in Exodus when the Egyptians began to use them and abuse the nation of Israel. They placed more and more and heavier and heavier burdens upon them. So it can be used as a form of oppression. But I will say this, the burden that comes from the Lord is never oppressive. It is never something that is going to weigh you down in such a way that it becomes a a manner in which God uses it to, if you will, uh, uh, beat you down to nothingness. Jesus Christ mentions over there in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 11, he specifically tells the Pharisees, he says that they're constantly laying the burdens of legalism the burdens of their man's laws and man's traditions upon them, trying to make them do these certain things, and if you will, laying it upon them in such a way that they are overcome with them, and they're so burdened by these things on a day-to-day basis. Oh, am I doing this? Am I doing that? And, you know, all these things. We find stuff like that today. Griffey and I were kind of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, if you will, uh, laughing a little bit and, and, and talking about an individual that we know by the name of Sam Gipp. And uh, <clears throat> Griffey said, oh, Sam Gipp's gone reprobate. And, and I'm like, oh, really? What? And he's like, so apparently Sam Gipp has grown facial hair. That's a hard thing to think about. You know, <clears throat> it is. I, I, I've never seen him with facial hair. I'm going to have to go watch that video just to see the facial hair and then send him a text about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Because that's a big thing. It used to be that if a man wore facial hair in a church, he was an abomination. It was a burden that man placed upon another man. In case we didn't realize, Moses had a beard. Aaron had a beard. <clears throat> Jesus Christ had a beard. It was ripped out. Ha! Ah, I can't even imagine that. You know, I get upset when I'm sitting there and I'm doing the little shaver thing and, and one of the things grabs a hold of the hair and just... That hurts. And some of you are like, well, that's why I don't... No, okay, fine. But you know what? Those are things that are oppressive that man puts on another man to, 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 to if he can, put them down. But this isn't the way that God operates. And the burden of the word of the Lord isn't something that when we look at is, 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 is weighty on us. It's weighty on Him. He is receiving, He, it's His burden. Have you ever thought about that concept? What burdens God? Oh man, we've got all sorts of burdens, don't we? We've got the burden of work. We can't all just go and uh, live off the government, in case you didn't know. You know, uh, uh, we, we, we've got the burden of maybe a, a, a loved one who is going the wrong direction in life. That's making very, very, very fleshly, selfish, worldly, worldly choices. 
involved in, in, in drugs and alcohol and crime and, 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 and to a degree much, much, much worse, somebody that just refuses God and walks away from the faith. We have a burden. We say we have a burden for that people. We pray for them. We weep for them. We cry and we sorrow for them. What does God have a burden for? What what is what is the weighs on God's heart? And in the book of Malachi here, he teaches us exactly what it is that concerns God. His burden. And here he is, he's talking about it for the nation of Israel, but it's very applicable to the church. It's very applicable to the church. You know what burdens God in the book of Malachi as you go through it? It's the indifference. It's the indifference of his people. When he asks, when he makes a statement and they turn and they say, wherein have we done that? Their obtuseness, the fact that they just don't even get it. These are things that weigh, if, if you will, they're a burden that's there. And, it, it, and it's all this indifference and obtuse nature in, in response to God's grace towards them. I mean, it is so great with that, 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 that song, Lead Me to Calvary, Lest I Forget. Gethsemane, what he did in the garden when he prayed as his, and, and, and was, if you will, sweating as if it were great drops of blood. Lest we forget the cross. Lest we forget that sacrifice. Lest we forget those things. We should never become indifferent to it. We should never become so obtuse that it has no effect on us. I want you to see here in Malachi chapter 1 and in verse 2, he talks about these things of indifference of the nation of Israel. In verse 2, he says, I have loved you. Here he is, he's talking to Israel. He says, I have loved you. I have loved you. I can't even begin to describe those words right there. Romans 5, 8. When he commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And here he is, he's telling the nation of Israel, I love you. And you can, you can, you can hear the sorrow. You can hear the grief that is there as God is talking to them and the burden of what they're doing is weighing. And as he's giving this message and he's having to give this message that's a burden saying, look, I gotta come in and I have to make these corrections. I have to change these things. There's going to be curses that happen upon you because of what you've done. And, and and it is so obtuse of Israel to say, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Do you, do you realize how unaffected by God's love you have to be to say that God has not demonstrated his love to you?
Every person here should understand that God has demonstrated his love to you. Every person here should understand that the, the death, uh, excuse me, that the breath that we breathe daily not only shows the care that he has for us, if you will, uh, in, in a general sense, but the fact that he continues to teach us, the fact that he continues to guide us, the fact that he encourages, encourages us and uplifts us, the fact that he does things for us that you look at and go, that's not coincidence. That's the hand of God. And the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel says, where have you shown us that you loved us, God? Those are almost blasphemous words. Red Sea, the plagues, the victories, the promised land, the rescue from bondage over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And they have the gall to say, wherein hast thou loved us? Take a look down at verse 6. Their indifference towards the love of God and their indifference towards the honor of God in verse 6. says, The son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where's mine honor? If I be a master, where's my fear, saith the Lord of hosts? O priests that despise my name, and ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? What I mean, just looking at the, what they had done... They were not honoring God. How were they honoring God when they were taking bribes? How were they honoring God when they were doing everything that was towards idolatry? How were they honoring God when they would allow Baal and God to be worshipped in the same country? Wherein was the honor when Eli's sons behaved the way that they did? Or even Samuel's. Or the Levite over there in the book of Judges. Where, where, where in? And it wasn't a matter of honoring God the way that they're supposed to honor God, but they, 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 they turned that into a despising of Him. And as we talked about it this morning, <coughs> Sometimes despising is not something where we sit there and we physically, you know, have that thought of, oh, I hate that person, I hate that person. But it is just an indifference towards the things that are given. A lack of care, a lack of thanksgiving, a lack of gratefulness, a lack of anything that God gives to us. He's saying, look, children are supposed to honor parents. Servants are supposed to honor masters. And he says, if I was your father, are you honoring me? If I'm your master and I'm the one you serve, are you honoring me? If you're not, then you're despising me. And they come around and they have the gall to say, again, in indifference and in an obtuse nature, say, where have we done that? Now, I want to remind you that Malachi is right around that time when they have just, when when they're in bondage to Babylon. 
They, or excuse me, they've been in bondage to Babylon. They're, they're, they're in bondage to, 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 to the Medes and the Persians. And they're getting ready to go and rebuild the temple and do the things that we talked about over there in Haggai the other day. And they're failing to do it and they're, 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 they're dragging their feet. Why? Because they don't honor and they don't love. Take a look at what else they do in verse 12 here as we go down a little bit further. In verse 12 it says, But ye have profaned it, in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof and his meat is contemptible. You know what they're, what, he, what they're saying with this? As part of what is burdening God here, when he looks at Israel, is this nature that they have, this nature that is very clearly showing that they do not think that the things of God are valuable. Look at what they say about it. The table of the Lord is polluted. You know how many people I hear say that the word of God is not pure? You know what that is? That's somebody that's unthankful. You know, I, I, I hear people come along and, and, and they, they'll say things of the nature as he said, as they say here, uh, that his meat is contemptible. Those doctrines that God puts before us, those truths, those things by which we were talking about this morning about how we judge our Christian life in the smallest of matters, the smallest of matters. They're saying that this, is contemptible. They don't like it. It's dishonoring to them. It's disparaging to them. That God would say something to an individual that says, what you're doing is wrong. Oh, I don't like that, Lord. That, I can't hear that. That's too hard. You can't have that expectation of me. The nation of Israel had a lot of expectations that were put upon them. All of them which could have been accomplished if they simply had chosen to do what God told them to do. If they had done what Joshua had said, just stick with the book. Just stick with His Word. It had gotten to a point that they had also become indifferent to His Word. In chapter 2 and in verse 1, it says, And now ye, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. Now, I want you to think about this just for a minute. These are religious leaders. Now, now this uh, I want to be very clear on this. This isn't just about pastors and preachers and teachers. Priests is going to include parents and people that have responsibility in churches. He says, this commandment's for you. If you will not hear and you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yeah, I've cursed them already because you do not lay it to heart. Now there's the issue. This 
never gets beyond these two little eyeballs. It never goes beyond this mass of gray cells up here. And it never gets down into here where it's supposed to be. And that's the problem that we see in the world today. You want to know what's going to fix the United States of America? More of this in here. Not in the government, not in the politics. It's got to be in here. Otherwise, it's just going to be lip service. And we're going to have pharisaicalism, and we're going to have legalism, and it's going to be a nightmare. No, we need Jesus Christ in the heart of every United States citizen. We need a revival of people that have to come up and say, Hey, I've been asleep way too long. i got to wake up and i got to realize that I have not taken the Word of God to heart. Nation of Israel failed to do that, didn't they? Because here they are. Where are they? They are in bondage. They're in bondage. Look at verse 7 here as he continues on. He says, for the priest's lips, uh, 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 for the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you are departed out of the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. He says, you know what, priest? You got a bit of an issue here. So not only does he address the nation of Israel, but he also addresses these priests individually. And he's saying, look, you guys that are supposed to be responsible for leading and teaching and doing these things, he said, you failed because it wasn't coming out of your mouth because it was never in your heart in the first place. He says it should have been in your lips. He says, you're the messenger of the Lord. You know, each one of us here today is a messenger of the Lord. Each one of you here today is a messenger of the Lord. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, resurrection, as the payment of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, that we may have an eternal life in Him. That we may be saved from our own sins in the condemnation of hell and the second death that is there. There's where that salvation comes. There's where the salvation comes. Now, as we begin to think about this even more, as we look at what God is saying here, He's saying, look, you guys, you, you failed. He said, you didn't, you didn't keep what you were supposed to say. You didn't say what you were supposed to say. You didn't do anything that, that, that was supposed to happen. And He says, what did you do? You caused people to stumble. This morning we talked about judgment. And the very first thing that we need to do before we start judging another person about whatever they're doing in their life is we have to make sure that whatever we do doesn't cause them to stumble. Because if we look at our lives, before we start walking around saying, oh, oh, look at you, look at you, look at you, look at you. Yeah, you know what God says? Oh, yeah, well, look at you. Well, well, my sin isn't, you know, I, I, I thank God that I'm not like that, that publican over here. I give to you. I serve you, God. Yeah, but you don't do it from the heart. Who walks away justified? The sinner that cries out for the mercy of God.
Take a look at verse 17. You know, it's, it, this is a horrible thing to hear God say. Now, now I understand this. God can do everything. God can do anything. He's God, okay? He's God. If he all of a sudden decided, you know what, I've had enough of this, and just ends it all right now, and just everything just goes poof, and it's gone in a pile of dust, he could do that. Praise God, he doesn't. But he could. But do you ever think about this? Do you ever read Malachi and just, I mean, Malachi is one of these books you read and you walk away from it and you're like, hold on a second, got to pull that spear up. Because <laughs> it pierces deep inside of you when he says in verse 17, ye have wearied the Lord with your words. You ever think about that? How What we say? Does it weary God? Does it weary him? Nation of Israel began that. They began or, 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 had gone down that path. They were weary, and and look at look at how obtuse they are. Look at how they just don't get it. Yet you say, "Wherein have we wearied him?" And here he says, "When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment?" We live in a day and age where they call evil good and good evil. And I'm not talking about our nation. I'm talking about in churches. People that are professing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Saying that the things of God are evil and the things of man are good. They call it humanism. They call it progressive Christianity. And it's against God. It's against Him. I want you to take a look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, as he continues on in this passage in chapter 3, he says to him another point that he talks about the burden burden uh, that God is is laying here, laying out the burden that he carries for his people, the burden that he has that they would turn, the burden that he wants them to repent. And he says in verse 8, he says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Now, look, I've heard this preached in 15 million ways about, you know, increasing your tithing, okay? That's not what I'm going to talk about here. I want to talk about, you know what the most important part of tithing, tithes and offerings is? Your willing heart. You can put $5 million in the, you know, in the little slot in the back if you want. And you know what? If your heart isn't willing, it doesn't mean anything to God. God doesn't need your money. You know what he wants? Willingness and obedience. Remember when we went back through and we were looking at all those sacrifices and what were some of those sacrifices and offerings about? Willing. It had to be given willingly. 
Not out of compliance, but it had to be given willing. Willingly. Willingly. You know what wearies God and what is a burden is when our willingness is no longer present in our life. When we're no longer willing to do what God asks. When we're no longer willing to follow his word. When we're no longer willing. And the end result is is we start robbing God. We start robbing him of glory. We start robbing him of the things that he's given to us to use. We start robbing him of the the fruits that, that are to be born through his spirit. We rob him in such a way that we become, if you will, a master thief. God says, you're so obtuse, you just don't get it, Israel. You can't sit back and just take a, for a minute and just look at it and go, you're not even doing or giving anything to God. You're so unwilling to do it. And it wasn't about the stuff. Because God could give the stuff. Didn't He give everything that they needed when they walked out of Egypt? They pillaged the whole place without lifting one sword. God, God moved it and these people, what did they do? They looked at it and they said, we want you out of here so bad here. You know what? Take all of this. Take my, take my mother's ring. I don't care. Get me, get out of here. <laughs> You're killing us all. Get out. You know, I think God could provide. The way he provided with David so that Solomon would have all of that and then Solomon take all of those things and build a glorious house of God. You don't think God could have done that? But he was more concerned about the robbing of willingness. The robbing of willingness. The robbing of obedience. The robbing of being giving in the heart. We take a look at chapter 3 and go down a little bit further here in verse 13. He says, Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Where have we spoken so much against thee? And he said, Ye have said, It is vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? Those stout words that he said is when they said, you know what? I'm not going to serve God. I'm not going to do what he asks. It's vain. It's vain like the arm of the flesh. It's vain and unprofitable. They ask, where's the profit in being holy? I don't get to hang out with my friends who are doing all these cool things. Well, there's pleasure in sin for a season. There's pleasure in sin for a season. 
And I'll tell you this, you talk to many of the, 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 uh, the people that are here today, and I will tell you that, yeah, there's quite a bit of pleasure in sin for a season, but you know what? That stuff comes back and it bites you. It hits you and it hits you hard. It brings you down to the ground. It throws you in the gutter and it leaves you there. And they say, these people are sitting there saying, where's the prophet that we have kept his ordinance? God has told us to do these things. What? What's in it for me? Are you getting a picture of the nation of Israel at this point in time just doesn't understand who God is? And this is why God has a burden. You know, God's burden is that you would know Him. God's burden is that you would know Him as your Savior. God's burden is that you would know Him as your Father. God's burden is that you would know Him as the kind, caring Master. God's burden is that you would know Him as the greatest teacher. God's burden is that you would know Him and know His will. God's burden is that you would just simply do what He asks. It's just as simple. I mean, this is a simple thought this morning. It's a simple thought to sit here and think about as he goes through and he points all of this stuff out for the nation of Israel. And he says, look, this is all I want you to do. Where's the love? Where's the honor? Where's, where, where's the gratefulness? Where's the acceptance of my word? Where's the willingness? Where do you communicate it? And his burden is, is that we would simply do that. God's burden is that we would demonstrate his love towards us. We love him back. God's word is that, you know, he, he, he's given us all these things that, that we would honor him with it. Not only has he given us so many great things that we would also be thankful for it. God's given us His Word that we would take it to heart. That we would take it to heart in so much that we would be willingly obedient. Willingly giving. Willingly sacrificial. Over there in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, it talks about His burden. He says, uh, take my yoke upon you. He says his burden is light. The burden that he has for for us that we are to bear on a day-to-day basis is light. Could you imagine having to bear this burden? But what does he do? He bears that burden. This is the burden of the word of the Lord that he's communicating. This is where he's saying, look, look, Israel, I've carried you. I've done all this for you. What what are you going to do? Are you going to follow? Are you going to obey? Are you going to love me? Are you going to listen to me? His desire for us is very clear here in the book of Malachi. You know, he bore that burden of our sin on Calvary. 
Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you thankful he did? Don't you love him because he did? That's a burden that we couldn't bear. That's a burden that we couldn't bear. An old T-shirt that's uh, that I got on a clearance one day, and it's one of those old uh, Lord's Gym. I don't know if you remember that back in the day. That was one of the things, kind of this little ministry, and it has a picture of Jesus Christ on 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 it, and Jesus Christ is bloodied, and he's uh, got a crown of thorns. And he's down on the ground looking like he's trying to do like what looks like a push-up. And there's a big giant cross on his back that says, The sins of the world. There's no way we could even bear our own. But he bore it for us. He bore it for Israel. He bore it for His church. He bore that burden of sin. And I'll tell you this, you know what is very important is He bears this as a care for His believers. A care for His people. If there's one thing that I see in the book of Malachi is through all of the ups and downs with Israel's, with, uh, you know, a, a mentality in their heart and the back and the forth and their unrepentance and their, their just, their, their, their desire to do what they want and their will and everything else. I look at all this and you know what? He still has that burden of care for them. Why else would he communicate this to him? If he didn't care, he wouldn't. If God didn't care, he wouldn't have preserved a book for you. If God didn't care, he wouldn't have put the words of life in here. If God didn't care, he wouldn't have had this be written over the period of, of, of hundreds of years by multiple different authors all saying the same thing. There's a burden of care that he has for each one of us. And I look at this today, and and, and I want us to do something about it. I want us to contemplate something. And most of the time, we don't like to think we're that obtuse. You understand what I mean by the word obtuse? There's somebody that just doesn't get it. I mean, it's, it's like telling one of those jokes that is like so readily apparent that everybody sees it and they groan. And then there's the one person that just goes, huh? No clue. Or the person that is just so absolutely unaware of everything that's going on around them that they just go, huh? When something happens. I... We, I was up in Kirkland, Washington. We had a big earthquake. 
and I was in an office. And, and, and you, you want to see how people panic? Be inside a building during an earthquake. Oh my word. <clears throat> These people, uh, thankfully, some of them had the right idea. Dive under the desk. And there's this one gal, she's got a stack of files and she's just back and forth like this. I, I gotta be careful, I can't do that. <laughs> I'll go down. <laughs> she's waving back and forth like this because, uh, you know, with the movement of the, the earthquake, and she's just standing there with this look in her eyes, like, what's going on? And it's like, it's an earthquake! How, I, how do you, like, didn't get it? You know, being obtuse means that you just don't understand, you don't get it, and even though it's explained as clear as mud and, and sock puppets are out, and you know, everything has been there to explain it to you in a way that you will, you just don't get it. And you know what? Uh, we never think of ourselves as that dull. That we wouldn't get it. We like to think of ourselves as smart and witty. That, 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 you know, maybe we've got a little bit of an edge on someone else. Mm, probably not. We don't. And sometimes we're really obtuse when God says something to us. Sit in a church service and the Holy Spirit comes alongside and picks up one of the church pens, sticks you in the side, and you're like, brush it off. Kick against the pricks, right? We don't want to listen. We're obtuse. When the Word of God is presented and it's clear what we need to do and we don't do it, we're obtuse. When, when, when we look at what, what God is teaching us and what God is telling us, and then all of a sudden it just doesn't become that important anymore. Going to church isn't important. Going to a Bible study isn't important. Reading the Word of God isn't important. Having Christian fellowship isn't important. It's just not that important. I have other things to do. That's indifference. And there's the Word of God coming as a burden unto us, saying, I loved you. And we kind of just have that same mentality of Israel. Really? Where have you loved us? Where have we done those things? We're not taking a look at our own lives. We're not taking a look at what God is doing for us. We're not taking a look at how much He cares for us. We're not taking a look at the burden that He puts together for us. Saying, I love you, my creation. I gave myself for you, my creation. I am not willing that any of you would perish, but that all of you would come to repentance. All of us would have an eternal home in heaven. All of us would have forgiveness of sins. 
He didn't die on that cross for a few. He died on that cross for all. And when we begin to think about how great God is for us, I want us to think about how thankful we are. Do we demonstrate it? Do we show it? When God was so willing to do the unthinkable for us, are we willing to do what is a reasonable service? When it comes down to His Word, are we wanting to take it to heart? To teach it to the next generation? we got young people in here. This should be your life. I just don't have time. No, make time. What I mean by that is, you know how you make time? You don't actually manufacture it. You take and you cast out the things that you don't. You don't need. That aren't that important. You look at the long term. What's the spiritual benefit now? What's the spiritual benefit later? The more you put time into this, the less time you have living in regret. How many of us lived in regret? How many of us sometimes still have a condo that we visit over there, a timeshare? (laughs) Some of us might even be the mayor. But I'll tell you this. The more time we spend in that, the less time we have to worry about regret. The more willing we are to obey and to give, the less we will be disobedient. The more that we take His Word and hide it in our hearts, the less sin becomes prevalent in our life, the less we want it. And I will tell you this, the more that we realize how much God loved us, the more that we will realize how much we need to love Him. That's God's burden. He writes it down. He says, this is the burden for Israel. Burden of the Word of the Lord for a nation that had turned away from God. God's burden. It's the indifference and the obtuse nature that Israel had. Let's take this as an example. Let's learn. Let's not be that. Are you thankful today? Now we're entering in a spirit of thanksgiving. Even close to thanksgiving. And by the way, if you're only thankful on Thanksgiving, there's a little bit of a problem there. You should be thankful for every day. You should be thankful every time that you come home on getting off of I-5. You should be, <laughs> you should be thankful every time that you, uh, you wake up in the morning. 
Let's be thankful for what God has given us as a lesson. By taking it, applying it, and using it to guide our lives so that we are not a burden in wearying our God. Let's stand for for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You again for this time. Thank You again for what You've given to us in Your Word. Lord, I thank You for the book of Malachi. I thank You for what it teaches us. And Lord, I pray that we would just read it. Read it even further. And Lord, maybe we'd even personalize it and ask ourselves some of those deep questions. Wherein have we done that? Lord, again, I just thank You for all that You've done for us. Lord, I pray we'd never despise it. We'd never disparage it. We'd never neglect it. But Lord, through our continuous love to You, that we would demonstrate it over and over and over and over and over again. Lord, we love You. But let's just not say it in word. But Lord, may it be found in our heart. These things I pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.